Welcome in to a brand new Tuesday scramble. It is, oh my God, March 1st, 2022. I'm Rick Game and that right there, Andy Lack. Andy, it's March 1st? Golf season's flying by. What is it, Masters in like 40 days, something like that? Less, 37, wow. I think. Who's counting though? I am actually, but did, uh, you, did you get any suggestions? I saw you tweeted on like the mastery by the masters. Did you get any really good suggestions on that yet? I got a lot of suggestions. Uh, some of them I would love to do, but it's like, I, I don't know how much, you know, some of them are like a lot of time commitments, but a lot of them. So yeah, what I did is I just opened it up like, Hey, life, golf, whatever. Um, let's see a, a lot of diet stuff, a lot of diet and exercise stuff, a lot of, um, uh, meditation and yoga and, you know, writing down your top five things to do the next day, read a chapter of a book. It was stuff like, it was stuff like that. Journaling, positive affirmations, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Me uh, meditate. Okay. A push. So this one kind of confused me. So a push up per day out from the master. So 39, today 38 tomorrow 37 the next shouldn't it be the opposite shouldn't i build shouldn't i go one then two then build up to the masters and do 39 on the day of the masters instead of working down yeah that would make more sense to me i think you want to you want to peak right once we get the closest to it and assuming you would be getting better at that skill as the week goes on so it would be easier for you to to add more into it um, yeah, I, I would probably go in that direction. 100 push-ups and 100 ounces of water a day. You've got the water covered. I've got the water covered. Just have to do, there it is. That's there some is. beverage says Benny Levine. Andy's drink has an undertow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Rick, I, you'll enjoy this. So this is my first, That's um, I got in my profile picture in Twitter, which I haven't changed in like since I got on Twitter in 2019, you can see the very top of a water bottle and somebody made an account, the water bottle in Andy Lack's profile picture. And I have no idea who that person is. It doesn't even seem like a troll account because it, it just likes and retweets everything I do. <laughs> and it's just a little image of the tiny cap of the water bottle in my profile picture. That's a weird account. Yeah. At least troll you, right? At least uh... I'm, I'm so confused by its nature and ethos, but, uh, so be it. Who can say we are indeed presented by prize picks. The code you're looking for over there is Rick. 100% instant deposit up to $100. You no longer have to make picks from each side. So you can stack your unders. You can stack your overs. You can go cross sport. You've got single holes available to you. Now we're going to do a whole segment in this show about props, but the holes that are single holes for this week, I think it's um, four and 16, Andy, which are the par. Is it four and 16 that are the par? Oh, yeah fives oh yeah which, we'll get we'll get to them i i got into those those are they're fun holes for it yeah they they really are and i think there are some opportunities but before we take a peek at the arnold palmer invitational let's go quickly into the honda classic recap sep straka sep freaking straka wins this golf tournament uh which i think the way that this played out andy sunday afternoon all the groups getting to the bear trap and having no idea who's going to win the golf tournament. That's how that event is supposed to play out. Do you ever go back Rick uh, after a tournament ends and there's a bit of a surprise winner or a winner that you weren't even considering at all and kind of go back through the stats and say, okay, what did I, what did I miss here with this guy? Why, why wasn't this guy at the top of, of my mind? And I went back and did that with Straka this week Nothing. There was literally nothing that I could find that would have ever led me to him. There's probably 115 golfers in the field. I probably would have bet before Sepp Straka. Yeah, which I think is fair. And yes, I do do that exercise. And I can't remember who it was, but there was somebody else like that recently where I just threw my hands up and said, no conceivable. Maybe it was Jim Herman. And yeah. he missed like 15 that cuts in a row sense. and then he won. Right. It was just like, how could you have ever gotten here and it's another reminder that this sport is volatile 
they're all very good. The difference between, I talk about this a lot, usually at the end of the season, the difference between guy number 30 on the PGA tour and guy who loses their card, like 155 is like a half a stroke per round. It's pretty outrageous. And if you listen to Mark Brody talk about strokes gained and how he talks to players, he will literally tell players like, Hey, you could move up 10, 15 uh, spots in your strokes gain ranking by gaining like three yards off the tee or averaging like 1.25 more fairways every 36 holes. Like the margins are so slim there. Uh, the the stat that broke through to Bryson that made him go through the transformation is Mark Brody told him he could be six yards more wild off the tee if he gained three yards off the tee. And yeah. he obviously took that to an extreme, right? <laughs> he, he said, oh, well, if I could do uh, three and six, maybe I'll do six and 12 or nine and 18. But that that's right. When you start looking at it that way, you realize... Any level of improvement can skip you over so many of your peers. Yeah. And again, with a guy like Seb Straka, like Seb Straka crushes it. He he hits the ball really well. He was first last week at the Honda and off the tee. Um, so we knew he had those ball striking chops. He wasn't hitting the ball well entering this week, although he's done it in the past. And um, it is a... It's a war of attrition at that golf course, right? And I, I think what Straka was able to do on Sunday was really impressive. Rick, I thought Lowry really had it there. I, I really did. I thought he did too. He actually had some, as a Lowry ticket holder, um, that one was tough because he had a two-shot lead late on Sunday. He actually used the words, I think that tournament got stolen from me is actually yeah. the quote that he said. And he was referring to the huge rainstorm that just the skies opened and poured down on these guys. And what he was really referring to was the difference between where Sepp Straka was in the fairway on 18 and where he ended up on 18. And I can actually, I'm going to try to share my screen here, Andy. I'm going to try to do this on the fly. We'll see if I can show this here. Uh, and maybe if I zoom in a little bit and we do this, but here's Straka in the fairway, 333 yards and 191 in, in much more benign conditions. It was, it was drizzling the, the bad stuff hadn't come down yet. And then Lowry, uh, who <laughs> I, I don't know what happened, but he yanked it left. He's 241 yards into the left rough. And now he has 276 into the green. He has to lay up and then try to make a birdie from there. Do you agree with Lowry's sentiment that that was a huge difference in conditions that those two were playing those shots on? I do, but I wouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> and Lowry, I don't know if you noticed this, but he moved really, really quickly on that drive. It seems like he went completely off his pre-shot routine. Did you notice that? Uh, I was yelling at the television. It was. It was also, <laughs> he did it on... 17 as well because they, they were finished i think they were finishing up 17 then they went to 18 it looked to me like he was underneath the umbrella he sprinted out hit his golf shot and sprinted back under there was a tweet i don't know who tweeted it but it was hilarious that said it looks like shane lowry is going to melt if he gets wet like that's the way he's treating this scenario right now it was shocking he lost all of his routine he got completely screwed up in the moment and it seemingly led to some poor shots and you would think too that he's a he's an Irish guy. He's grown up in Ireland. He's he's uh, he knows the the conditions well, and and maybe more so than the conditions that you would get playing playing golf in Austria, like like Seb Straka. And I, I was, yeah, I was surprised by that too. I think he moved he moved a lot quicker. And I was listening to a player talk about it after a player got interviewed after like, what would you do in that scenario? And the player said, I would wait until they made me hit. I would well, absolutely wait until they made me hit. And Kurt I think Kitayama tried that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I think Shane Lowry just really had no idea what to do. And he was a little understandably bitter after um, I thought his final quote was funny where uh, I think the interviewer asked him, 
do you think this evens out? Like, like, do you, oh, yeah. and he was like, hopefully at Augusta in a couple weeks. He said, hopefully in five or six weeks, he's trying to speak uh, the golf gods into existence of, of granting him a green jacket because of the runner up finish at the Honda classic, which I love, which I thought is great because, it, and it's like, all right, Shane, some of this is like, this is part of golf. It's the rub of the green, right? Like I love the idea when, some of these guys get thrown for a loop. That's why I always bang the drum for firm and fast conditions because it's like firm and fast conditions are a player's nightmare because they lose a little bit of their control once the ball hits the ground and they want to control everything. And with the way that equipment is, they can control almost everything. And so I like when we get thrown for a loop sometimes. I was rooting heavily for Lowry as well, but it is what it is and happy for Seb Straka. More surprising one, Sepp Straka winning this golf tournament, or two, Daniel Berger coughing up a five-shot lead and finishing three back of Straka? I'm going to say Straka winning. I've always been in the camp, and this is why I always said, like, are we really just going to give Rom the memorial when he had Cantler, <laughs> Cantlay, Scheffler, and freaking Morikawa on his tail? I think this is go. I mean, Henley blew five strokes in nine holes, right? Like this idea that somebody who's up five is a foregone conclusion. It's just not, it happens a lot. I think it's like 75% of the time, but one in every four times, which is more than you'd think, whether that player completely crumbles or he just gets caught by a really low round. I think it was a little bit of both in this scenario. I think Berger absolutely did some crumbling. I also think Straka played great. Um, it's going to happen a lot more than I think people think in golf. So I would probably say I'm a little bit less surprised with Berger's collapse than maybe some others. Yeah, and they're they're obviously not all equal, but Berger blows five shots with 18 to go. Henley blows five with nine to go power blows five Sheamus, with 36 to Sheamus go. was up six. Yeah. Six, with, yeah. with like 40 holes to play. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not as lock of the century as uh, we might think it is. Here is the optimal from last week. Sepp Straka, Kurt Kitayama, Shane Lowry, Daniel Berger, Gary Woodland, Chris Kirk. It costs 49,300. It scored 539 and a half points. So Berger still in your optimal. Uh, Chris Kirk, Gary Woodland rounding it out. That was kind of exciting. But any any strong feelings, thoughts, or takeaways from what ended up being the best possible lineup you could have put together on DraftKings last week? Well, the only guy that's in that optimal lineup that I Oh, two of them were Lowry and Kirk. Um, I'm really glad to see Woodland start turning in around. Um, he was a guy that I was really high on at the beginning of the season and through the first month and a half or so it, uh, it wasn't looking good for my Gary Woodland resurgence, uh, prediction, but, um, it seemed like he, this is the first week, like he gained strokes in all four major categories. He hit the ball. Well, he putted well, his short game was good. So I do think Gary's going to be relevant this year. I, I think he's going to have a little bit of a nice resurgence on Straka and Kitayama. I would have got to a hundred golfers before I got to them in full disclosure. I probably would have as well. That's why That's why sometimes in my custom model, I just ramp up the randomness. I just crank it up to like 40. And I'm like, let's see what kind of crazy lineups this thing pumps out and see what it gets to because you end up getting guys like Straka and Kitayama that you would not have put in by hand. Also, Andy, I have a one and done update. And for the first time in what seems like forever, it's positive for me. Not only did I not get a zero, but I got more than you. $106,000 from Billy Horschel. Louis Oosthuizen got you $43,000. And that was a roller coaster, Andy, because on Thursday, you probably thought you were getting zero. On Friday, you probably thought you were getting all the money. And it was just all over the place with him all week long. So after Thursday's round, my guy was up, or your guy was up eight on my guy. And after Friday's round, uh, my guy was up two on your guy. So there was a, Crazy. there, there was a 10 stroke swing in one round, which just speaks to the volatility and the variance of this golf course, which is a theme that we talked about a bunch earlier in the week, but I'm super glad to see you get back on the board 
Um, I mean, we'll talk about Billy Horschel a little bit, a, a little bit later as well for this week too, but uh, he grinded out there and, and you know what, Rick, he did not putt or chip well at all. Like he, he, if he, if he could do what he's normally the best at, which is chipping and putting, he would have gotten you a lot more money that than that 106,000. So I now go to 276,000 for the year. You're still very much ahead. 1.9 million. But Andy this week, 2.1 to the winner and next week, 3.6. So we've got a combined $32 million in purses between this week and next. A lot of cash out there. Yeah, I am. The players is a massive domino. Like the, and, and what's so tricky about that one too, I distinctly remember from last year, the players, I just weft like really, really whiffed. And it's a tough tournament. So there's going to be a ton of one and done movement on the yeah. leaderboards in these next couple of weeks. There will be one or two top five oh, yeah. players next week who miss the cut. And oh, yeah. Just like blow everybody's one and done, blow everybody's lineups. It's Florida golf with water on every single hole and all that good stuff. Oh yeah. I think last year I bet like Webb and Finau, both of them missed the cut. Like it, it, the, the players is really fun. This course is really fun too. I think we'll see a lot of variants here as well. I remember in the past watching this tournament, like guys can post, right? Guys can post and watch people come back to them. I think Molinari won two or three years ago and he finished his round like an hour and a half before the leaders and everyone just kept falling back and suddenly Molinari wins. That's how Garrick Higo won at Palmetto, right? It's just like, exactly. oh, everybody melts down around me. Okay, well, let's talk about this week. Let's get into the Arnold Palmer Invitational. We have to talk about the course. We've got to talk about props. We're going to do matchups. We're going to do one and got done. We'll answer your questions in the chat. If you want, throw them in the chat right now. But first, we're going to take 30 seconds, and we'll see you on the other side. Remember, Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field, but I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those two together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. That is such a loud ad, Andy. I know. Oh my God, I got to turn down the volume on that one. It probably it probably helps. It gets people's attention. They're like, oh, I'm going to go download the Inside Golf podcast. But my God, it blows my eardrums out. I'm going to I'm gonna have to turn that one down, I think. Yeah, we can. you can definitely, you can definitely edit that. It's all, I really appreciate it though, Rick, because I've been very, very pleased with the amount of new listeners that I've got this season. And I credit a lot of that to the scramble. Well, listen, hey, you deserve it. You do great stuff. And one of the things that I love to get your opinion on is the golf course, right? It's every single week, a different course, different situations, almost always in a different region of the country. So there's just a lot going on. And you do a very good job of sifting through all that and telling me what's important. So have at it, Andy. The stage is yours. Bay Hill is a place that we've seen year in and year out. And what type of golf should we be expecting this course to, to present itself to this week? So I'm going to give you something that I don't think enough people are talking about, and that's that Bay Hill hired a new superintendent in 2019, a guy by the name of Chris Flynn. And Chris Flynn changed the golf course a lot. I mean, he shaved off a lot of areas. He widened the fairways a little bit, and he he let the rough grow out um, as well. So that you've seen in the last three years, the winning score has been like, Minus 11, minus 12, minus four. And it's just a little bit of a different golf course now. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I'm going to look this up here. I've, I don't have it handy, but I'm going to pull up. I have like the year by year stats for Bay Hill. What year did you say he got hired? 2019. Okay. That's like exactly when you start to see the shift in a lot of these stats. So I'm going to pull that up in just a second. But we, uh, when you start talking about thick rough, you generally hear the Bryson DeChambeau conversation. He's not in the field to defend his uh, crown this time around or that red cardigan. But is that the profile of golfer or with kind of the shaved areas? Are we looking around the green? Like what types of players do we think find success? So I basically narrowed it down to one thing that I found that was really interesting was I looked at 
what the winners had done and the profile of the winners and how they got there. And one thing that I noticed was every single year, the winner was either an absolute bomber and top three or four in driving distance and par five scoring and just absolutely eating on those par fives, or they were first in proximity to the hole and approach, or it was scrambling and they were literally first in scrambling. And so in my opinion, you need to be elite at one of those three specific things. You either need to be the type of player, a la your Jason Day, a la your Rory McIlroy, a la your Bryson, even guys like Keith Mitchell and Kokrak that have played well here before, that their driver is a weapon. And they can absolutely just take advantage of these par fives where you absolutely need to score. Or the reason why guys like Corey Connors and Keegan Bradley have also played well here as well as these greens are rock hard, right, Rick? So you need to have a very high ball flight when approaching these greens. And a lot of the shots on this course are coming from 200 yards plus. Um, And then there's that third way of doing it, which Fitzpatrick has done, Bezayden Howd has done, Spieth has done a little bit, Patrick Reed has done a little bit, where the conditions are a little bit harder, it's a little bit windier, every single person's missing these greens, and you just have to be incredible with chipping around these shaved shaved areas and thick rough. So I think any three of those things can get it done this week. Okay, so Homeboy gets hired in 2019. What's his name? Chris Flynn. Chris Flynn gets hired in 2019 because you start to see some big changes in the stats in 2020. So let me just, we'll, we'll do the basic ones here. So driving accuracy from 2016 moving forward, driving accuracy, this was 44th on tour. That's very easy to hit fairways. Then it went to 37th, 39th, 26th. Chris Flynn gets hired. Now it's the 10th most difficult fairway to hit in 2020. It's the 13th most difficult to hit last year. Greens and regulation. 14th, 7th, 17th, 5th, he gets hired. Hardest greens to hit in 2020, 5th hardest to hit in 2021. Birdie average goes from 28th on tour to 15th to 21st to 2nd and 11th. This course just got a lot harder in the last couple of years. And that's what I've been preaching and saying. Like, hey, just be a little careful when you're looking at Rory McIlroy winning at 19 under par here in 2017 or Matt Every winning at 19 under par here in 2013 or whatever it was. It's just a little bit of a different golf course right now. So yeah, I think this, this is the type of stuff that I think really matters and I think doesn't get talked about enough. Um, I have a lot of thought. Okay. So that data is from the Rick run good database, but I don't have it on the website yet, but I'll have that on the website soon so that we can kind of see trends and courses and, and, and stuff like that. Um, okay. So, uh, are you surprised real quick and we'll get into the props. We'll get into the matchups and all that stuff, but, uh, Bryson's not playing, which to me, when a defending champion is not around to defend his crown, that is it's kind of a big deal. And there are, there is some speculation that this, this wrist injury is, uh, worse than he is leading on at the moment. Yeah, do you think he plays do you think he plays the players rec? I I listen. Br- Bryson is a guy that um I don't think he's necessarily normal like everybody else. He can make you look very stupid very quickly. I'm going to say no, right? I mean to no- he knew on Monday he wasn't playing the Arnold Palmer Invitational which at least we've seen guys like Daniel Berger and guys recently, well, they'll, they'll go, they'll play some practice rounds. They'll try it out and then say, ah, I can't, I can't pull it off. That means he, to me, that says he wasn't close to playing this week. So do I feel like an extra seven days, if you're not close and he's been dealing with this for a couple of months, a couple of weeks, my gut says, no, I hope I'm wrong. Cause I want to see him play the players championship and all that stuff. But I, I honestly think the Masters is a is a the, the next checkpoint. My gut says no too. I think the Masters is the next checkpoint and and you know we've seen this a couple of times before where like Daniel Berger he withdraws from 18T Pebble Beach as the defending champion. He says it's precautionary. He plays a week or two weeks later at Phoenix and then you know, two or three weeks later, he almost wins the next tournament he plays in. It's difficult with golf, Rick, where we don't get the type of reporting often in injuries that we do in, say, 
football, uh, like this entire information that we are getting from Bryson is coming from Bryson. Like it's, right. it's, it's not, it's coming from a very biased source. It's, it's, you know, it's not coming from somebody else reporting it. So I'm very curious. I, I, I'm curious to see how serious it is. Who do you think has a more likely chance to more likely chance to play the masters Bryson or Phil? Oh God. Uh, two completely <laughs> different reasons. Um, I think Phil will, will definitely play the masters. So I will say Phil is more likely, but that's a pretty good question. It's probably close. <laughs> I think it's close too. I think I, I think I'd probably lean. I think I'd probably lean Bryson. And just to answer the question in the chat, Justin, he did not play in the Seminole golf tournament. Did you see those uh, tea times by any chance? We, Rick? Like we Louis spent and an Brady? entire show on the pairings at this point. I mean, first of all, the amount of, PGA tour, high level golfers and, and athletes and celebrities and whatever that, Oh my God, it's, we could spend three hours talking about that T sheet. Oh, it's so funny. It's the, 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 you know what another good one is the member guest at Michael Jordan's new course. Have you heard outrageous. his new it's, course, the Grove? Yeah. The Grove 23, right? It's out. It's outrageous. The list of people on that. No, it, it is. It is so funny. And I guess it makes sense with all these guys loving here. I wish they should televise that. I'd watch it. I would pay to watch it. Yeah. Right? Like paper. Brady and Louie, into that. Yeah. 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 No, I, I would 100% watch it, but um, they did, you know, they did that first match when we were coming back from the COVID break at Seminole. Um, if you remember, it was like DJ Rory Wolf and Ricky. it was the Taylor made driving relief is what it, yeah, correct. And yeah. I don't know if you watched, did you get a chance last thing? And then we'll, we'll move on to the props. Did you get a chance to watch the Walker cup at all, Rick? Because the Walker cup was at Seminole. It is an awesome golf course on television. When was it? Was it, it wasn't recent. Was it because it was a while ago. I think it, yeah, it was, okay. it was a couple, at least six months or close okay. to a year. Yeah. Then I think yeah. I did. I think I did see it, but I don't remember much of it now. Yeah. No, Seminole's a the awesome Phenomenal. track for TV. Okay. We're going to do props. We're going to do matchups. We're going to do one and done. We'll answer a couple of these questions from the chat. Cause I think there's good ones. If you have some dump them in right now, but we're going to go to an ad that is hopefully a bit more appropriately volume level. Let's try. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. Rickrungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Props, 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 prize picks, props are here. Andy, we were seven and two on these last week. Yeah. I'm tell everybody there is a real opportunity with prize picks, and especially now that they're starting to do the whole by whole ones. Promo code Rick. I would encourage everyone to sign up, and it's part of my my favorite part of the show every week. I actually think that their their golf lines are are pretty soft. You can you can find some yeah. edges, and I think the assumption is like, hey, listen, golf lines are going to be hard, but like people keep playing and keep doing props, like they're they're probably very efficient in a lot of other sports, and like we can just pile up cash on golf because that's all I really care about. But yeah, we've been we've been very good at these, and I think there's a big opportunity this week. And we've also been known to be prize picks market movers as well. So I would encourage everyone to get those in quickly during the show. Okay. So link in the description, promo code, Rick, all that good stuff. One other thing that I did is I updated the tool on my website. This is a free tool uh, where basically it's right here. It's on rickrungood.com. You can go through, you can change the number of rounds. You can click through fairways, greens, and score. I, I changed the way it looked because the, the previous tool was too heavy, but then I added in hole by hole score as well. So I've loaded in 
every hole played by the eligible golfers at Bay Hill, Andy. So when we get to some of these hole by hole props, we'll be able to see historically how they've played it, which we talked about a little bit before for the single hole stuff. A lot of it is pin position. A lot of it is wind and a lot of it is how it fits the golfer's eye. Yeah. And, and you can basically look at, um, like birdie percentage and, and scoring average for a specific player. Like a lot of it, Rick, again, like it's a, it's a math equation in a lot of ways, and you can continue to just use the math and all of the data that we have at our disposal to kind of help you solve these problems. All right, Andy, kick us off here with your first prop. These are all round one props because that's how it works. Where are you headed first? So the first one I want to talk about is I went with your guy, Billy Horschel, under 71.5. Now, one thing that I talk about a lot is most courses, if you actually look at this over a long-term data sample size, most courses tend to get harder as the week goes on because they firm up. Um, so I know that Bay Hill is one of the most difficult courses that we see on season, but I think there's a high likelihood that it plays a little bit easier in the first rounds. And you look at a guy like Horschel, who Horschel gained over nine strokes ball striking last week. That was his best ball striking performance in three and a half years. Um, and he's made yeah. eight of nine cuts here. He always plays well at this course and he's coming in with awesome form. Something just really seems to be clicking with him this week. So I bet Billy Horschel at 55 to one, I'm, I'm definitely going to be using him in DraftKings. I was just really enamored with the way that he hit the ball last week. And, and I trust that that putter is going to come around. So I'm, I, I think he can shoot one under par in round one. I also have an under 71 and a half for round one, and it's Will Zalatoris. This to me, when I was just looking through the lines, I was like, wow, you know, 71 and a half, that's the highest number that they have available for the eligible golfers. And I'm like, Sam Burns, man, he struggled. Sung Jim, he's coming off a miscut. What, what? Will Zalatoris, what's he doing on this list? Right. And I just thought, okay, if this is a course that, um, you know, historically the regression model would show approach play is going to be key. I obviously worry about some of the shorter putts that he can make. I just thought he was being lumped, Andy, with guys that he is probably in a different class then. Long iron play too, Rick. Like Los yeah. Torres, you want to play him on longer courses, more difficult courses with thick rough. That's why he's always going to be good at Torrey Pines and always going to be good at courses like this. And it's also the reason why he's popped up at major championships. I love Will Zalatoris in, in harder conditions and more difficult golf courses. A little bit more on him later from me. A little bit more on him later. Okay, that moves us uh, right along here. Andy, we both have a single hole prop as our next prop entry here. Where are you going? So I went with Kevin Kisner over 4.5 on hole four. And no shots to Kevin Kisner, but I always find with the players that they give us in prize picks. There's a, we talk about Matt. It's often Matt Kuchar. I guess Matt Kuchar isn't playing this week. So Kevin it's Kisner often is kind Matt of Kuchar, Yeah. Kevin Kisner feels like his stand in, but you kind of look at it just at a bird's eye view and say, I don't know if Kevin Kisner's name fits with the Fitzpatrick's and the Zalatoris's and the Roms and all those guys. So I dug a little bit into Kevin Kisner and Kevin Kisner is nearly dead last in this entire field over a pretty large sample size and par five scoring for whatever reason, whether it's his driver or the long iron play, he's just not the best at taking advantage of par fives. And I look at number four, which is a 590 yard par five, which plays to a scoring average of 4.8. And I'm getting one of the worst par five players in this field and the score on this hole is already 4.8. Like it's just, that's an easy one. It's math. What is also math is if you look at Kevin Kisner's history at the fourth hole at Bay Hill, which is what I'm showing you right now, the last four years, he's played it 12 times, Andy. He's made par nine of them. He's made birdie in three. That's over 75% of the time he has played that hole. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's, what you have to be looking at here, it is very easy to just simplify this, take all bias out of it and say, okay, this is a numbers play. And you and I both have had a lot of success doing that so far with prize picks. Uh, the whole single hole prop that I'm taking is Matt Fitzpatrick, who I just love this week. And I'm sure we're going to talk about him more in just a bit under four and a half 
on hole 16. So again, I went back to the tool. Here it is. Matt Fitzpatrick, who I think sets up well for this course anyway, uh, has played this 16th hole 22 times. He has gone under. He has made birdie in 17 of them. That is 77% of the time. He just crushes it. The whole place significantly under par. I think Matt Fitzpatrick is great for this week. Fire me up some under four and a half on Matty Fitzpatty. I love Fitzpatrick this week too. Are we worried at all about the, the withdrawal from Riviera? Well, from what I understand, it was just a stomach bug. Non-COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Just a stomach bug. And, uh, he thought, I I think he thought long and hard about playing and he just said, you know what? I'll, I'll just skip. I'm, I'm not, I'm not concerned about any lasting effects. That was two weeks ago now at this point. Okay. Yeah. Me neither. He has never finished worse than I think 11th at this course. And you look at other very, very difficult golf courses with very firm green susceptible to the wind and thick rough. The two that I was able to identify was the year that Memorial played very difficult and John Rom won, and the year that, uh, we went to Olympia fields and also John Rom won, by the way, um, oh, Matthew, <laughs> Matthew Fitzpatrick, only other player outside of John Rom to finish top 10 in both of those tournaments in extremely difficult scoring conditions. I love that. I love that. Okay. How about we rock and roll to our head to head matchups and the way that we will do that is via this quick break, but wait, wait, don't press it yet. Mina, uh, the code you're looking for on prize picks is Rick 100% instant deposit up to $100. They've got cross sports stuff. They're killing it. Single holes. Can't wait. So we'll see you on the other side. If you're not playing Daily Fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing Daily Fantasy. They offer nothing but props, and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over-under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 just use the code rick at sign up or click the link in the description that's code rick good luck All right, Andy, I've got two questions I want to hit real quick before we get into our matchups. Rob asks, is the best way to bet Rom just parlay him with longer every week? Also, who is the Scott of the week? I'm just going to rearrange that question, Andy. What is the best way to deploy John Rom? Because you can bet him in a very short outright market, one that he has not cashed in some time. I guess you could deploy him in matchups or for fantasy purpose. Like, What is the best way to invest in John Rom? So DraftKings probably because you look at the matchups and he's a minus 160 favorite over Rory McIlroy. He's a minus 185 favorite over Victor Hovland. But I will say this in DraftKings, I think he will go slightly under-owned in DraftKings this week. Now, under-owned for John Rahm is 20%, not 30%, right? But the fact that he's never played this course before and he's coming off a quote unquote, disappointing 21st place finish at Riviera. I think you will get a bit of an ownership break on him in drafting. So that will be how I will be getting my John Rahm exposure because he's unbettable as an outright. And I don't really see how you can lay minus 180 with him in matchups either. Yeah, I've been avoiding betting him at the top of the board and it has not burned us yet. I imagine that will come to an end shortly. But God, if he wins, he's going to be five to one. You're just never you're never going to be able to bet John Rom outrights until I don't know somebody else takes over the world number one spot. Well, let me ask you a question: What if if he misses the cut this week, which I don't think he will? What's his number at the players? Ten. Yeah, sounds about right. I think I'd agree with you. They're just not going to get burned on John Rom, even yeah. if you inject a hun- the hundred best players in the world off a missed cut. I just don't think you're going to get a good number on him. I think Cantlay and Hovland and Rory have caught up a little bit in terms of general respect on the odds market, but I don't think 
like even even those guys being in the 12 to 18 range they're still in this mini tier below him that he kind of operates on his own so i agree even if he like i don't i don't see unless he goes on a really bad string i don't see him ever going above 10 or 11 in any tournament this year tend to agree matchups now we had another winning week last week as well both of us were three one and one i claw back to 500 for the year 12 12 and one andy you are 17 7 and one and you have been very clear if there's a way to make money betting golf this is the way to do it and even last week which was you know some weeks are just super volatile. You're one or two swings away, as you mentioned with the Louis Ustase and Billy Horschel uh, comparison earlier in the week. Like you're one or two swings away from this getting blown up, but for the most part, matchups are your safest bet. Yeah, and it's we're in a tricky position, right, Rick? Because we both do content, and I think most people. One of the things that I learned very early on was people want to hear about outrights. Those are the sexy ones. Those are the big payouts, but. Like I've said to you before, um, you talk to any of like the professional golf gamblers in Vegas, this is what they're doing, right? This is what they are doing to build a consistent bankroll time after time. So I continue to bang the drum for for matchups, and I can't wait to get in more get in some more with you this week. All right, well, let's do it. Matty Fitzpatty is our first matchup. He's going up against Sung Im. Sung Jay was uh, not only the favorite last week, but he also missed the cut. Now he's also played well at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, as has Fitzpatrick. This is a pretty fascinating one. What side would you like? I, I love Fitzpatrick this week, like you said. I also like Sung Jay a lot, too. So this was a tough one. Shout out producer Mina if she if she uh, picked these. I had I had to pause on a couple of them. I, I kind of I, I like both sides on on a lot of these matchups. So I'm gonna go with Fitzpatrick, but I like Sung Jay this week too. I agree uh that I you know Sung Jay, I'm like a seven out of ten. Fitzpatrick, I'm like an eight or eight and a half out of ten. I mean, Fitzpatrick just However you want to shake it, he's great off the tee. He's played well here. You mentioned the tough conditions. Even if you look at strength of field, which is not necessarily uh, indicative of a, a hard golf course, but he plays well in in hard, uh, kind of deep, stronger field. So for me, I think Fitzpatrick is in for a great week. I will also take his side in this matchup. Next up, Max Homa versus Maverick McNeely. This one was hard. I think we're getting to the point, Andy, where McNeely is not just in the class of Safeway Opens and Fortinet Championships and just like these one-off weak field events. I guess those are actually the same event now. Uh, weak field events. I, I think we're seeing true sustainable growth in the game from McNeely. As much as I like Max Homa, he's a bit more of a popper to me. I'm excited about what the next 12 months looks like for Mav. Oh yeah. McNeely's really good. I ended up giving the slight edge to Homa because I liked his history on harder, more classical golf courses in really good fields a little bit more uh, than Mav. I like the fact that he's won at Quail Hollow on a hard golf course in a difficult field. I like the fact that he's won at Riviera on a hard golf course in a difficult field. So I gave the slight edge to Homa here, but again, I think both of those guys are going to play well this week. All right, so there will be blood on that one. Andy's taking Max Homa. I'm taking Maverick McNeely. A couple of young guns in our next matchup from producer Mina. Scotty Scheffler versus Victor Hovland. Okay, let's make the case. What side do you want here, Andy? I knew you were going to go Hovland, and so I wanted to differentiate a little bit here. Um I love both of these guys just in general as golfers, but I love both of them this week as well. I give the slight edge uh, to Scheffler. I guess Scheffler has, I mean, Hovland hasn't really played that well on this course. And I am, what's your panic level on Hovland short game? Because like it has, it has, it seems eye test wise, like closing out tournaments at the Mayakoba and stuff like that. And the hero that his short game has gotten better, but statistically it's still very, very bad. So the way that I see it, um, and I think he'll be the first to tell you this. I think, I think what the plan is for right now is to get him a one go-to shot around the green, Andy. And it is a mid, a mid flight, mid height, uh, 
chi- uh, pitch that uh, when it lands, it rolls out. And if he gets really good at that, he, he's got something to fall back on. I think when you get to places where you need to have all of the shots, I get a little bit more worried. Like think about all of the shots Jordan Spieth has in his bag. And it's not yeah. fair to compare anybody yeah. around the green to those two guys. It's not fair, but, but they've got all the shots. And I think when you get Victor, who's getting a lot better at that one really go-to shot and you put him on a flat, um, uh, resort style course where that plays very well. I think he's going to eat them up. I think he's just going to eat them up. And I think he'll learn as he continues to grow only two and a half years into hit more and more shots around the green. It, we're we're going to see, we're going to see improvements all the time, but I think that's where the current state of his short game is. I would agree. And I, I think I give the slight edge to Scheffler because I trust him chipping out of really thick rough onto firm greens, just a little bit more than Hovland. But I mean, both of these guys are hitting it so well right now. Yeah. I, I went with Victor. The one thing that I was a little bit worried about with Scotty is the driver can get a little bit loose. And also I don't love to play the buckets game, but there are like twice the tour average of shots that are hit from 200 to 225 and, and, and basically from 200 out. And that has not been, I think Scotty's ranked outside the top 100 kind of when you look at some of those shots. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but I'll, I'll take the Victor side of it, but I, I could have been swayed either way there. Uh, Jason Kokrak versus Christian Bezadenho. We're both on the same side, Andy. It's Jason Kokrak. He's low key been awesome at Bay Hill, right? At least the last eight years, he's just been phenomenal. Yeah, he fits. Kokrak fits that first category that we talked about, about guys that just absolutely bomb it off the tee and their driver is a weapon like Day and McElroy and Keith Mitchell to a certain extent too. Um, I think Kokrak's path to success at Bay Hill is a lot simpler than Bezadenhout's path to success at Bay Hill, despite the fact that both of them have gotten the success. So I'm going to go with Kokrak here. Kokrak for both of us in that one, which leaves us our final matchup here. Will Zalatoris versus Paul Casey. I think I made a mistake. I'm going to go with Casey. I think the reason I got there is I think that he's been better than people want to give him credit for played well at Riviera. His European tour stuff to start the year was, was fine. He's been good at Bay Hill, but I I'm enamored with the upside of Zalatoris, which I think I might've screwed this one up. I'm going with, I'm all in on Will Z this week. Um, we'll get to him again a little bit later as our final <laughs> segment, but I just, I am so enamored with, the way he's hitting it right now. I love the course fit so much. I think it's happening very, very soon. So I am high on Zelatoris in all markets this week. Yeah, I'm worried about that one. That one I'm I'm very worried about. And if I'm worried about it on Tuesday morning, uh, it's generally not a good thing. So just to recap, uh, Andy and I are both taking Fitzpatrick over Sung JM. I'm taking McNeely. He's taking Homa. He's taking Scheffler. I'm taking Victor. We're both on Coke Rack over Bezayden Hote. I'll take Paul Casey. Andy will take Will Zaltoris. And Andy, uh, that leaves us with one final thing to do. It's our one and done selections. Now, because I won last week, do I get to go first? Or because you're still leading the whole thing, you get to go first? Okay, that distinction's up to you. Um, I would assume that who's ever in the lead probably should go first. But if you okay. want to lead us no. off, it's totally no. up to you. No, no, no. I defer to you, Mr. 1.9 million. Where are you going? Zalatoris. Um, I think this is the good, I think this is such a good spot for him. I feel good about my player management so far. Like I feel good about the way that I'm deploying certain skill sets and certain levels of players at different courses. And Zalatoris fits really well with, this is a guy that I feel very comfortable burning now because we're going to get to a lot of, am I going to burn, am I going to want to burn Zalatoris at a major Probably not. And am I going to want to burn Zalatoris at a birdie fest where I don't think his skills are accentuated as much? Probably not either. So I think this is a pretty perfect spot for Zalatoris. I'm all in on him this week. By the way, I have a running list of everyone that I've picked so we don't get duped. I didn't take, I didn't um, record your picks though. 
Okay, which is I've been meaning to go back and pull those because I'm we're about to run into the time of year where this is going to be an issue. I'm assuming yeah. I have not used Rory McIlroy yet, which is who yeah, I'm using this week. So. Okay, that would I don't know where I would have used him at. So I I'm going with Rory, and I want to uh, I have not sent out my email newsletter this week. I'm hoping to have it out here this morning. So if you go into the link in the uh, description, you can find that he has been historically good at Bay Hill. And that's kind of, it kind of gets lost, Andy, because Rory's very good everywhere, right? So it kind of gets lost when he's really, really good out at one place. But uh, basically, he's gaining 2.4 strokes per round over 28 rounds at Bay Hill. Since 2008, there are only nine instances of a golfer playing that many rounds, gaining that many strokes. So it's like elite, elite, long-term, uh, or not long-term, but enough rounds of, of course history. Do you want to take a stab at who any of the other course and player combinations are? And I'll and I'll give you cover here. I did this on the first cut yesterday, and they didn't get any of them. So, um, Webb at the Wyndham, not 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 enough strokes gained. Uh, is it total or per round? Per round, but you have to have at least twenty eight rounds. So you've oh, got to be you've got to play it at least like. You know, okay, because I was going to say Fitzpatrick and Sungjae have both never finished worse than like 11th here, but they've only played three times. Right. So you need, so I need to go back in time a little bit more. Yeah. So this dates back to 08. So you've got to get like, a, you've got to get like a seven or eight year stretch of really good golf at one course from a player. Um, I mean, outside of Tiger everywhere, I would think maybe Bubba at the Travelers or Bubba at Riviera. Nope. Neither DJ one. at Riviera. Okay, DJ's on the list, but it's not Riviera. Oh my gosh. Um, where else would DJ? This one's kind of low key tough. I don't know. I'm stumped. Pebble, Pebble Beach. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that makes sense. Speed that. Uh, do we have um, master stuff in here? Because I know masters they don't do strokes gained. Well, but we can get the strokes gained total. So yes, the, the, answer, the answer is yes. Jordan Spieth, 2.44 in 32 rounds at Augusta National. Yep, that's one of them. Okay, I like that one. Yeah, and it, I would assume Bubba's close at Augusta. Oh, the, he misses yeah. the cut at Augusta there's only, sometimes too. That's, that's the thing. So here's here's the list. Uh, Spieth is on it three times. He's on it for Augusta, he's on it for Pebble Beach, and he's on it for Colonial. DJ is on it for Pebble. Rory is on it three times. Bay Hill, Quail Hollow, and Shayshen, which is the WGC HSBC. Sure. Yeah. Then uh, that leaves us with Rom at Tory Pines. Yeah. Obvious. <laughs> yeah. It's an obvious one. And the 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 one that does not fit with the others is Charlie Hoffman at TPC San Antonio. Oh my gosh. That was kind of a that was kind of a layup too. The Charlie Hoffman. Yeah, but it's hard on the like on the spot to be like, oh yeah, like everyone like I would have been like, oh yeah, Tiger or yeah, Bubba. But it's like yeah, it's 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 the big boys. It's the big boys who make the list. That's interesting. Ah, funny stuff. Any final thoughts, Andy, before we get out of here? Um, I don't think so, man. Super excited for this week. I think this is a great tournament. I love watching players struggle, and I do think that they will struggle this week on this golf course. So excited to get started, and we'll chat again soon on Friday. Absolutely. Back on Friday for that scramble, 12 p.m. Eastern time, Rick Rungood YouTube channel. We'll do it all with props and news and an update. Live look in at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. You can follow Andy at ADP Lack Sports on Twitter, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Tuesday Scramble. See ya.